and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. Alongside me, as always, my co-host, fellow Pensburg contributor, Robbie Moggle. Uh, Robbie, last week's episode, we were talking about uh, Chris Letang suffering his second stroke in his playing career. And it's not it's been, what, 10, 11 days. It hasn't even been two full weeks. And he's back on the ice in regular colored jerseys participating in practices he's considered day-to-day uh let's dive right into it robbie what do you before we get to our main topic just off the cuff discussion what do you make of this this miraculous miraculous chris letang recovery i mean i said last week uh we'll both go on record and say neither of us are doctors and we weren't going to speculate as such but i mean the fact that this man is 35 36 already had two strokes and he's back on the ice and now considered day to day when I thought he might miss weeks or months at a time. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty miraculous. So, uh, I know that was, that was more of the recent news as we record this on December 8th. So Robbie, what do you, what do you make of Chris Letang's fast recovery? And he, he looks like he might be in the lineup before the end of the year. So what do you make of all that? Yeah, pretty incredible considering, I mean, when you hear stroke, you automatically think of, uh, the worst uh, possible outcomes uh, with a stroke, regardless of who uh, is the victim. So uh, to see him back on the ice, um, uh, skating, not just by himself, but with teammates in practice jerseys, taking line rushes uh, with the team, it's definitely uh, eye-opening because, I mean, a week ago we were talking about um, whether or not we'd see call-ups or what kind of moves we'd see to fill in for his absence. And now all, all suddenly you have – uh, the very real possibility that he's back in the lineup uh, before 2023 uh, hits here in uh, about two and a half weeks. So, I mean, overall, just pretty incredible to uh, to see that from uh, Chris Letang. And you just hope that um, he's taking the, the advice of his doctors and uh, getting back to the ice this quickly. And we do see him back in the lineup uh, sooner rather than later as health permits. So the discussion I'd like to have for this week's episode uh, will 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 concern Chris Letang to some extent. Uh, the the discussion I want to have relates to the power play, and uh, the power play has been much maligned. Robbie, it's no secret. Uh, you know we see it on a nightly basis. Uh, it but it looks like now as we sit here on December eighth, it looks to be turning somewhat of a corner. And I was reading an article in the Athletic from Josh Yowie, and they talked about. He got quotes from players like Jake Gensel and uh, talking about the construction of the power play and what they weren't and worth what they were and weren't doing very well. And uh, two things that have caught my eye reading that article and looking at the personnel changes. Gensel went on to say that they weren't the Penguins weren't doing a good job of screening the goalie, having a guy down in front in front of the goalie, you know, like that that Patrick Hornquist role that he filled for so many years being a pest and screening the goalie, taking a beating down there. Well, now they've brought Ricard Raquel, a right-handed shot, onto the power play, and the Penguins have taken more of a concerted effort to screen the goalie, especially with all players. Sidney Crosby, who is down near, uh, he's typically down near in front of the goalie, and on the power play, that's where he is most of the time anyway. I, I think Crosby has always been effective down low, uh, he's always been effective near the goalie, getting deflection goals, tip-ins, that sort of thing. 
But reading the article from Yoey in The Athletic, uh, between bringing a right hand like Raquel on, bringing Crosby in to play that, uh, play that role of goalie screener, for lack of a better term, uh, it, it really has seemingly sparked the Penguins. And now, obviously, there are two units. Uh, power play one probably is going to get the most attention because you probably have uh, Crosby, Malkin, Raquel, and when he is fully healthy, I imagine Latang will come back as well. And I brought Latang up into the into this this part of this discussion too, because I've always been of the mindset that Latang needs to shoot more on the power play. And we I think we all know that Latang's shot is lethal from the point. If he can utilize it more, get pucks on the net while Crosby's screening the goalie, I think that could have uh, a much more longer sustaining positive effect for the Penguins and the power play. Uh, but all things considered, uh, looking at the personnel changes they've made, having more of a concerted effort to screen the goalie, whether it be through Crosby or whoever else you want to put down there. Uh, in short, Robbie, I mean, there's not a whole lot of data to go off of just yet. The power play has been clicking to some extent to start the month of December. We don't want to jump to too many conclusions. But point blank, I'll just ask you from what you've seen so far, do you like what you've seen from this sort of revamped power play that seems to be gaining momentum with bringing on Raquel and having Crosby continue to be down low and screen the goaltender? What, what are your thoughts on how they've sort of reconstructed the power play to this point? Well, for one, it's hard to get worse than what it was at the start of the season. So any improvement... Uh, would have been a plus given what we had seen to this point in the season. Uh, I lobbied last week when we were talking about how the power play would possibly look without Crystal Tang or how to improve it, that they needed to find a way to get, I, in my opinion, Ricard Raquel onto that top unit. They do that and things start clicking. Now, you can make a case without Latang that Jeff Petrie uh, filling in on that top power play unit makes for uh, maybe he serves as a better uh, quarterback for that power play. I don't know. But I, what I do think is going to happen is what's the tang is back. Unless that power play is clicking at some absurd number that they just don't feel like they can break it up, that Chris the tang will be back in that top unit. But I think the big change right now has been Ricard Raquel, a very a lethal power play shot, um, a right-handed shot that kind of, um, now, as Brian Russ is also a right-handed shot, but Raquel is more of a patient, uh, pick-your-corner type shooter, kind of like a Phil Kessel uh, was on that power play on that on that side, that he could take the feeds and make stuff happen with uh, his shot alone. Brian Russ, more of a around-the-net kind of guy, uh, but Crosby has kind of taken that role uh, from Brian Russ. Um, he is... Not afraid to get the nose dirty, not afraid to screen the goaltender, uh, get out of the way, put himself in the way of those shots coming in, try to get a deflection, or just take away uh, the vision of the goaltender uh, in front of the net. And Crosby, that's another testament to how he kind of uh, changes his game, and you're kind of seeing it with that top unit. Uh, I will stand, I will proudly wave the flag of I was the one lobbying for. Uh, Ricard Raquel on that top unit, and so far I like what I've seen uh, out of him. I think he just adds a different element that the top unit did not have uh, before his addition. He has more of a that pick your spot shot, 
Um, he can take the one-timer uh, off that wing. Ryan Rust, I love Rusty, and he kind of seems like he's getting back on track. But he is more of a grind it out kind of kind of player. He will go in front of the net. And right now, with the way Crosby's taking that role, you don't really need two of those guys. You need a pure, um, a, a pure shooter, and that's what Raquel brings. And what we've seen in these last couple games with the power play kind of revamped and surging, is those changes seem to be working. And and I for one hope those changes uh, remain until uh, they feel like it's becoming stale and they need to make some more changes. Uh, but right now I stick with what's working uh, with as bad as the power play was you take any positive uh, steps forward and you just build off that. Yeah. Because I think at, at the end of the day, I mean, this isn't something that needs said by us and it's not something that needs said by anybody. There is too much talent on that first unit alone for them to have been struggling as badly as they were coming into the month of December. So uh, like you said, if, if if it's to the point where Latang, whenever he does come back, if they want to put him on that second unit, maybe he can provide some sort of jolt to the second unit. If the first unit keeps clicking the way it is, like you said, if Petrie continues to quarterback it and they keep Raquel on there and Crosby down low, there's way too much talent. If, if the Penguins aren't going to be uh, a fast team as they were six, seven years ago, uh, the thing that they need to take advantage of with even if they have aging stars like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, they need to take advantage with the man advantage is, is basically all that it comes down to, as simple as it is, because they're not going to outskate the Carolina Hurricanes or Colorado Avalanche or uh, probably those kinds of teams uh, with you know how old they are compared to where they were. So you need to take advantage of those opportunities with a man down for the opposing team to help you win in addition to your success at five on five. So... Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Uh, it's very encouraging up to this point as we're into the month of December now. Uh, we'll just have to see how it continues to march along, uh, and we'll see what happens this weekend. I think they have a home-and-home home with the Buffalo Sabres on tap, so uh, we'll keep an eye on the power play and see where it goes from here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But now we'll, we'll, we will turn our attention to an 11-question mailbag. So buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg podcast Twitter account, at Pennsburg Pod. Every week we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. Question number one for you, Robbie, as always, is from Brian. After seeing footage from Tuesday's practice, the likelihood of Chris Letang being placed on long-term injured reserve or even regular injured reserve is becoming less and less likely. Would you attribute that to his conditioning? The guy is straight-up superhuman. But if he somehow does land on IR, would Ty Smith get the call-up? Yeah, it certainly seems like um, he's not going to be going to any type of injured reserve uh, unless they would retroactively put him on uh, just to call somebody up to open up a roster spot. 
Uh, but definitely LTIR does not seem like uh, is going to be something that he is going to even be uh, considered for at this point. Uh, and again, this goes from Thursday as well. This was a question was submitted on Tuesday. Uh, so, I mean, at Thursday now, uh, he's back taking regular line rush of the team. So it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Um, now, his health and recovery, one, uh, this time I think it's to knowing the symptoms and getting treated uh, as soon as possible. Uh, I, again, I don't remember all the details from eight years ago or uh, back in 2014 when he had his first stroke, but being able to recognize the symptoms and get help, uh, get medical assistance uh, almost immediately when he knew something was wrong, uh, likely played into... Uh, his quick, quick return, uh, at least to practice. And then obviously we know Crystal Tang is in just phenomenal conditioning. Uh, we see it, we see the videos. So I definitely would attribute a part of that to it. I don't think a regular Joe from off the street, even if it wasn't a minor, a major stroke, if just a minor stroke would be back and doing, I mean, not just like, even if it's just, you're working an office job, but this is a guy that's playing professional sport, professional athlete, back in the condition to even be practicing um, is uh, quite a feat. And that has to be attributed to, uh, one, recognizing the symptoms and getting assistance, and two, just his, like uh, Brian said, his superhuman conditioning. Uh, number two, again from Brian, uh, if you were allowed to know one conspiracy, what would you pick? Mine would either be the JFK assassination was an inside job or aliens. Yeah, Robbie, I'll include you on this one, too, after uh, after what I give. Definitely, I want to know why Area 51 is so protected. I want to know what's inside those walls in Area 51. Is it aliens? Like 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 uh, what Brian said, are, are aliens and UFOs inside Area 51? Uh, that's that would be that would be uh, what my conspiracy pick would be. What what are they hiding? Why is it so heavily guarded? Uh, I could. Robbie, do you remember remember a couple of years ago uh, when that thing that um, storm area fifty one thing went viral on Twitter and Facebook and like everyone yeah. was was trying to meet up and they were all gonna pretend to storm area fifty one together. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, I just want to know what's behind those walls. But I don't know, Robbie. Do you have any sort of crazy conspiracy theory on your end that you want to try and figure out, have solved? Yeah, I'm not a huge conspiracy guy. Uh, obviously, the JFK assassination one is probably one of, if not the most popular uh, conspiracy out there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's pretty much a accepted belief on that one that it was definitely not uh, the story that we get. But, um, yeah, that was um, – I want to know the conspiracy of the ping pong balls – that if they were really fixed for Sidney Crosby to come to the Penguins or not, that's a conspiracy. I want to get to the bottom of more than anything, but no, no, no kidding aside. I mean, the JFK assassination one, obviously, um, an extremely popular one just because, um, um, uh, just because it's so popular, but, um, yeah, so I'm not a big conspiracy guy. Um, altogether but um i would definitely put the jfk assassination one up there and and maybe i i like the uh, yeah the area 51 from a couple years ago where they threatened to uh storm uh storm the 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 area and try to find out what was in there uh quite a quite a throwback there by garrett but 
um, a good one as well. Question number three from Brendan. Uh, Robbie, any Penns prospects going to the World Juniors this year to keep an eye on? Or how about maybe the, our first-round pick not even being selected for the camp while Lambert will probably be Finland's first-line center? I don't know. I mean, I mean, um, I, for Canada and the United States, I do not believe that there's going to be any Penguin names uh, in that group. Now, Joel, so. Joel Blomquist, the goaltender and prospect, I do not know if he will go for Sweden or not. Um, I haven't been playing too close of attention to that. He was supposed to go uh, this past summer when it was rescheduled, but uh, he decided to remain. There was something, because I, I did his uh, 25 under 25 piece, and there was something with his coach wasn't happy with. Cause he came to the Penguins prospect camp, and there were some disagreements with the coach. Um, about that, and he got left off the roster, and then they finished second, and he was their top goalie. And a lot of people wondered if they would have let him go. Could he have um, been the difference and got them the gold? So Joel Blomquist is probably, if he goes, is probably the highest-rated Penguins prospect. Uh, but other than that, that's what happens when your uh, prospect covered is barren. Uh, they don't get to shine necessarily in a tournament like this. Uh, question four from Brian again. Uh, is Chad Ruedel the best seventh def defenseman in the league? Guy just comes in after not playing for weeks and doesn't miss a beat. Props to Chad Ruedel for accepting this role. I wonder if he could have ever at some point over the last, what, five, six years he's been with the Penguins, if he could have ever gotten like a massive raise with another team and like become a more regular contributor because he's been with the Penguins since the 2016-17 season. He was with the Wilkes-Barre Penguins in 2016-17 playing in 28 games and he played 34 games in 2016-17. He played 44 games in 2017-18. He played eight just 18 games 2018-19. During the 2019-2020 uh, season he played in 41 games. Oh, it was only last year where he played the majority of the season. 78 games, four goals, nine assists, 13 points. Um, I mean, and he played in all seven of the postseason games against the Rangers. So he has been an incredibly steady hand, and he's come at a very reasonable cost. He's always taken, like, almost league minimum, 800000 850000 I don't even know if he's ever made a million dollars with a million dollar salary with the Penguins at any point. Uh, he, but he seems comfortable. You know, I don't know if he's ever wanted to test the waters. He's been here for, like I said, since 2016, 17. And, you know, um, like Brian said, having a seventh defenseman like that, especially a right-handed defenseman who are always coveted, uh, he can chip in every now and again, he'll get you a goal. If he, if he slots in, uh, you know, he's only what, I think he's only 5'11", 185, 190. He's not a big defenseman, but to Brian's point, that's what a seventh, that's what you want in a seventh defenseman. You want a guy that can slot in, uh, in injury or suspension or what have you play in a pinch. You know, he, he's eating pretzel nuggets half the season. And then the other half he's called into action and he doesn't look like, like Brian said, he misses a beat. So that's a prop that's props to Rue Weedle for his conditioning 
his preparedness and being content and satisfied and happy in his role. Like I said, I always wondered if he would it was able to test the free agent waters and see, but he looks like he's content with his role in Pittsburgh, so all the more power to him. Question number five for you, Robbie, comes from Brian. Uh, what are your thoughts on seeing a lot of empty seats at PPG Paints Arena? It's weird to have gone from a decade-plus sellout streak to this. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it was always inevitable that this day was going to come. And I think a lot of fact, a lot, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And it's not just um, uh, inflation and obviously stuff costs more and tickets are expensive. It's expensive to drive down there. It's expensive to park. But I also think that, I mean, during the playoffs, they're going to be full. There's no doubt about that. It's just, man, when you're good for this long, it, it, it just, I don't want to say the, the shine wears off and it kind of goes, yeah, we're spoiled. We probably at this point don't enjoy it as much as we should. And we will regret it uh, someday when they're not making the playoffs as a regularity, as a a seemingly rite of passage um, that the Penguins are in the playoffs. And um, I haven't been down yet this year. Now I live a little farther away uh, than, than some, but uh, from my understanding, there is really bad construction in the, PPJ Paints Arena area that causes major traffic headaches when you're trying to have that many people leave a small area at the same time. And yeah, I just think it's, I mean, it's a combination of those headaches, those traffic headaches, uh, work nights are always going to be more difficult. Um, the costs, the costs, even inflation or no inflation are still uh, ridiculous tickets, parking, food, beer, drinks, whatever. Um, and the area around the arena is not very well developed. Uh, there's no, I mean, that's been something that they've been knocked on since that arena uh, was opened in 2010. And, I mean, do you see them on TV? Of course. I mean, it's not like it used to be. Uh, at the beginning of the games, especially on weeknights, maybe you'd see uh, some rows of empty seats, but by mid-first period, those were all full. And I think a part of it, yeah, we're spoiled. Um, you'd, you'd think that people, it'd be, it'd be nice to get full arenas for the end of the Crosby, Malkin era, but it's not always possible. I mean, it's just, it kind of becomes a, uh, a uh, we'll just wait to the playoffs kind of thing. I mean, we know, like, it doesn't, we all say for the Penguins, it doesn't matter until April. Uh, and it's just kind of a, um, a mindset that people get into and I don't really blame them because I think uh, we get into that mindset a little bit too. Maybe you don't turn on the game one night. Uh, I'll watch, I'll watch uh, the next game. It's just, I got other stuff going on tonight. Um, and that's just kind of a, um, a tune out the noise until it gets serious kind of thing uh, in April, but you know, the barn will be full in April. So uh, that's what, that's what really matters. Uh, question number six from Brendan uh, thoughts on the winter classic Jersey. I love the off-white bonus. If you get it dirty, it doesn't show up as much. Yeah, to to Brendan's point, I I too really like the off-white, and I mean it's almost like a cream. I don't know if cream is the right word to describe it, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I really like how different it is, and paying homage to the original Pittsburgh Pirates hockey franchise. Um, this is off topic and not related to the winter classic Jersey, but um, 
I, I would have always liked it uh, if the NHL would go back to uh, wearing whites as the home, predominantly home jersey, and the colored jerseys uh, as the road or away jerseys. And I think they switched that. Uh, I want to say coming out of the 05 lockout, they made that switch to having the darker colored jerseys as the home. I could be wrong. I might have my my ears mixed up. But, um, yeah, I really like the Winter Classic off-white paying homage to and doing something different because um, I said a couple of times on this podcast that I thought they were going to incorporate blue some way and bring back some variation of a blue jersey, but they didn't. And they really dug deep and dug back into the city's past. And that's what the Winter Classic should be about, digging into your city's past and, you know, honoring the the rich hockey history of your city when you're playing in these sort of spectacle contests like the Winter Classic is. Question number seven from Brian. To piggyback off of last week's What If, what do you think happens if Mario surpasses Gretzky in goals and points? Um, he's considered the greatest hockey player uh, of all time by not just people in Pittsburgh, but by uh, pretty much everyone around the league, and it's indisputable. And I mean, that's a hill that we'll all die on uh, in Pittsburgh. And I mean, it's a it's a losing battle when you're talking to people that um, outside of Pittsburgh. But whatever, we'll we'll argue that till uh, till the day we die. But yeah, if he stays healthy, there's you can look up the uh, point projections that if he never would have missed all the time that he did, what his final numbers would have been, and uh, it's yeah it sucks and yeah you can you can do the what if uh thing forever with a lot of players in this franchise but uh it is what it is but yeah if he ever reaches his Gretzky numbers then he is by far considered the best hockey player uh to ever live by a large majority of fans uh not just those who reside uh in Pittsburgh and yeah that's again and him Mario being better than Gretzky is a hill I will always die on. So, Robbie, I, I have a I have a question for you. Yeah. Piggyback off of Brendan or uh, Brian's question, how much of a factor do you think French Canadian bias against Lemieux played in? You know, it was it was because in the eighties it was Gretzky and Lemieux, and you know I'm not going to sit here and say that the hockey purists in Canada kind of sneered at the French Canadian player. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Don Cherry going on uh, Hockey Night in Canada every week and kind of poo-pooing the European and French-Canadian player did anything to those players' reputations. But do you think the, the French-Canadian aspect of Lemieux's game did anything to his reputation when being looked at uh, by some of the national pundits during his playing days, early playing days? Oh, possibly. I mean, there was definitely a... Uh, and not as much, obviously, with the French Canadians, but there is definitely a anti-European bias by some um, older hockey fans. But yeah, Gretzky was the golden boy uh, in Canada. He was uh, older than Mario, so he did come in first. So he kind of did have a he was able to corner the market for uh, for a few years before Mario broke onto the scene. So I, I mean. Gretzky was just always, I mean, he won the, all those cups. He he did all the stuff 
that you're supposed to do as a superstar before Mario even stepped into the league. So Mario was all, already at a disadvantage. But the one thing Mario had was just all the skill that Gretzky had with the freakish size and speed. So, I mean, that way, um, it just it hurt Mario. If they would have came in at the same time, maybe or within a year or two of each other, maybe it's a different story. But Gretzky kind of getting that head start and kind of setting the bar for everyone else, I, I think hinders uh, Mario a little bit there. Uh, number eight from Brian. Uh, favorite winter classic slash stadium series jersey. Now, I, now Brian didn't specify here, so I don't know if this is league-wide or Penguin-centric, but since this is a Penguins podcast, I'll, I'll keep it to the Penguins uh, side of things for the Winter Classic jersey. I, I, I've, I might have said it on here before. I absolutely love the 2011 Winter Classic. I love the double shades of blue. I love the original Penguin skating, the skating Penguin logo. Uh, I, I love... <laughs> I love everything about that jersey, and I hate that uh, there are so many terrible things associated with that jersey, because I thought it was a fantastic, a fantastic palate cleanser in the the Vegas Gold years when they were wearing uh, that off gold color. It wasn't Pittsburgh gold, uh, but yeah, everything about the double shades of blue, the navy, and the lighter blue, and the original skating penguin. Absolutely. Uh, I loved everything about that jersey, and I hate everything that that, jer- that jersey uh, became associated with. Uh, question number nine for you, Robbie, comes from Brendan. What are your thoughts on Jason Zucker giving the gym face, that being a reference from the Office TV show, in response to Jordan Bennington's antics uh, when the Penguins played St. Louis last week? Yeah, I don't know what's gotten into Jordan Bennington, but... I mean, Jason Zucker pretty much handled that about as good as you can. And after getting clotheslined by uh, uh, Bennington going around uh, the net and going to the locker room and crashing into the boards, coming out and scoring, and not only scoring, but scoring the goal that forced Bennington out of the game, uh, forced Craig Brewery to pull him, he just starts mouthing off as he goes by the Penguins bench and Zucker kind of just throws his hands up and kind of says, what do you want me to do about it? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's kind of, I mean, obviously in a game like that, the vibes are good. Um, it's four one penguins are pretty much running the blues out of the building and have caused their goaltender to go into a full nuclear meltdown. Um, not quite Lundquist knocking the net off the moorings, but a very, yeah, just, just kind of take like pushing Jordan Bennington over the edge. Uh, it's not the first time for Bennington, not even just this season. He has flat out body checked a guy at one point. Um, and his history of being a giant child uh, precedes him uh, well before uh, anything from this season. He's just a very, yeah, he's a very interesting character. And yeah, it, Zucker handed that about as well as you could. Uh, the question number 10 from Brendan, uh, what is a classic Pittsburgh meal? For exact, for exact, uh, for example, Halifax has, I'm assuming it's a Don Air. So I was doing some research because I am an accredited journalist, investigative journalist when it <laughs> comes to this show. Uh, Don Air, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, because I, uh, who, who knows, I could be butchering it. Don Air is like, 
Well, it's, it's really similar to a gyro or a euro, oh, okay. or, however you want to pronounce okay. it. Right. I don't know what the major differences are, but I mean, according to, to Brendan here, if, Halif- if this is Halifax's one of their staples to claim or to staples to fame, I should say. Uh, and I, I looked at some pictures. I looked at some pictures last night. I would definitely be down to try it. It looks very good, but I didn't have to think too hard about this one. Uh, a classic Pittsburgh meal. It has to be a Permani Brothers sandwich. I mean, there. Yeah, there's kind no, of, yeah. I mean, there's no other. There's no other way to put it. If you don't know what a Permani Permani's Brothers sandwich is, it's basically your 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 meat of choice. Uh, you can put whatever kind of meat you want on it, and it comes with tomato. It comes with very uh, very vinegar based coleslaw and French fries, all smushed together in between two pieces of bread. So it's a big, hefty sandwich with fries on top of it. The fries and coleslaw, that's what makes it a, a Pittsburgh, a classic Pittsburgh meal, is the fries and coleslaw. We've, we've earned the reputation of putting fries on salads and putting fries on just about everything. So the Permani's, Permani Brothers sandwich, that that has to be the, the, pla- the classic Pittsburgh staple. But after looking at that Don Air, the, some of the pictures, and doing some research about it, I definitely, definitely might have to try it if I can get my hands on it one of these days. Uh, are we at question? Yeah, oh yeah, question eleven. Question eleven. The final question comes from Brendan, and I guess I don't know, Robbie, if you want to flip this back to me, since I, I guess I produce technically produce this show. But do you have any plans for collaboration with other Pens Media to be a guest on the podcast? Yeah, I'll let you answer the yes or no of that. Um, I'll just put in the two my two cents is that uh, I know last year, I believe it was last year, uh, we did the um, uh, the uh, interview with the um, the band member from uh, Greensburg that it was a huge Penguins fan. Yeah, yeah, that was um, last year. Yeah, okay, it was last year. I couldn't remember if it was year before that or last year, but. Uh, we did that interview. Um, I know in the past, at the beginning of this podcast, we would have guests. Um, and if we ever decide to again, I'm fully on board. So I'll, that's my two cents on it, Garrett. Since you are the head of this show, the producer, I will hand this question over to you on the uh, yes or no portion. Yeah, it's definitely not definitely not for a lack of trying. Um, the hardest part is there's a couple of things that go into it. It's aligning schedules up to make sure whoever comes on has uh, the right schedule aligned with our recording time. And that's not to say we can't shift our recording time for an interview because we can, Um, that, that plays a major part into it. Uh, Also, the other thing that plays a part into it too, is hoping that your guest is tech savvy enough and, you know, doesn't flake out on you when you try and schedule interviews and then you try to reach back out to them on Twitter and, you know, they just completely disregard you like you never existed in the first place. So it's definitely not for a lack of trying. Uh, you know, I tried to have some some uh, guests on during uh, during the, the bigger parts of the season. So if we get into March, early March, whenever the trade deadline is, if I mean, and I know Josh Yoey has come on the podcast a couple of times. He's been uh, a tremendous help to the podcast. And, you know, he, he is very accommodating and welcoming to uh to helping folks like us you know come on and 
lend a hand of actual credibility when it comes to when it comes to producing a show like this. So we thank Josh and everybody else who's come on as a guest in the past. But I it, I know it can get it can get repetitive and it can get mundane just listening to the both of us talk week in and week out. But it's definitely not for a lack of trying on my end. But yeah, I, I, I believe we had Down Goes Brown on years ago. It was a couple years uh, ago. I think yeah, it was in twenty twenty. Yeah, Sean Ma- uh, Macado. Um, and told us an interesting story. He had a book out um, about some hockey oddities and told us an interesting story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we definitely have had um, and uh, people on. And um, uh, she does advanced or, um, like, new media for the Penguins, uh, Perlman, Andy. Yeah, Andy Perlman, yeah. Andy, we've, had- we've had Andy Perlman on. Yep. Um, yeah, if we go through, if you go back and look at our – if you're really interested and want to go back and uh, listen to those interviews, you can – whatever your um, – preferred to podcast subscription services you can go back and uh, find them i know that all the guests that i was a part of um during those interviews were very interesting and uh, they offer a lot of good insight and there's obviously a lot of uh great uh great names out there to um uh to talk to if we could ever get everything to to match up so uh, it's a good time when we have guests on when we can make it work yeah, I mean, Phil, Phil Bork, we had Phil Bork on. Robbie, I don't know if you were hosting at the time. It I don't think been. I was on that episode, no. But I do remember, I remember at the beginning, like, every week we that when you guys started out, yeah. there was, like, there was like a, a weekly guest. And um, I do remember, so I know Josh Yoey's been on before. Phil Bork, I think I remember the episode. Um, did you have, you had Jesse Marshall on, I think. Yes. Uh, um, did you have Brian Metzer on? Yes, that was actually... Yeah. Mets was our first ever podcast. Oh, okay. okay, that was the first episode yeah. we ever did. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, technically, Mike Darnay, he worked for Pennsburg, but he would be a uh, a media figure in the Penguins universe that everybody's pretty much familiar with. I don't think. Did you ever have Pat on? No, we have not. We haven't had oh, okay. Mike or Pat on. But now oh, that you okay. think about it, like, yeah, I could give them. You and I could give them a text or a DM yeah. anytime, and they could come on. Yeah, I know. And, there's uh, there's some, and since that's been. Uh, happening there's been a lot more um names in the uh in the pittsburgh media sphere that have kind of come in uh since we've last had guests um i know we've had um if if you listen to the any of the locked on networks uh the locked on penguins hunter hodes uh is really good at what he does um jesse marshall obviously we know that jesse uh is tremendous at what he, at the work he does jesse's top notch um I don't. Did we have Rossi on? Uh, that's a good question. I want to say, had... oof, I can't. Honestly, I can't remember. I want to yeah. say no. Gut instinct is telling me no, but okay. I could not remember that. if we had. I know we've had Yoyo on multiple times. I don't know how many exactly. Um, but Andy Andy Perlman obviously um, was fantastic because she offered such a unique um, aspect of what. Uh, the Penguins, uh, what she does for the Penguins, and kind of a behind-the-scenes look. Um, so, th- yeah, those are. it's great to have guests on. Here's to hoping maybe in the new year we can get some schedules aligned and, who knows, maybe get some uh, some fresh faces or fresh voices, I guess, on, uh, on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. As we head into 2023, and if, you know, if schedules do align and we're able to, uh, if anyone out there is listening to this, and we are able – to coordinate schedules uh i'll be sure to send out a tweet from the podcast account telling everyone uh hey we're interviewing 
we're interviewing this person uh, for this week's episode. We'll do a special, we can do a special themed mailbag for that person and ask them questions from listeners. So yes, absolutely. Uh, It's, it's something that I know I'm sure a lot of people have been clamoring for, and it's something that I've been trying to get ironed out on my end, but uh, a couple of different things go into it at the same time, trying to align everything up. But yes, uh, like Robbie said, hopefully going into the new year, Either we might have some repeat guests on from guests of, of past episodes, but yeah, like Robbie said, we have an entire early portion of the catalog, the podcast episodes, uh, where we were, we were churning them out like butter, uh, every week when we started, I think back in 2018 or 2019. Uh, so if you're interested in, in any of that, certainly go, go to your podcasting uh, platform of choice and we should have every episode of the Pensburg podcast up to this point on your podcasting platform of choice. But that will do it. That will do it for the mailbag, and that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg Podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Robbie Noggle, as always, for chipping in and being a co-host of mine, uh, and for all of you wonderful listeners out there. For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will talk to all of you again this time next week. <laughs>